less chance of totally tearing this apart. We'll set that one right there. How's that? Okay, that'll work. How are you guys doing? I'll move this over here some. Well, you know, I think I'm doing okay. You know, I can't really complain. No one listens when I do. So I, uh, it's good to see you. If I haven't met you yet, my name's Neil, and I am up here rearranging people because, honestly, uh, let's just face it, uh, she needed to have a better stand over here, and so he's going to get this one. Uh, so uh, women's rights, that's what we're all about here, and uh, all that sort of stuff. Um, so anyway, if you were coming to protest tonight, um, thinking this this is the wrong wrong room, so uh, we're not the ones here, so uh, so rest, rest assured. My name is Neil, by the way, it's good to see you. We're in a series called Rethink It, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll uh, be able to... Uh, Talk some more about this. Before we go any further, though, I, I'm glad to be back with you. I was gone for last week because I was off on a mission uh, to Texas, that republic in the Midwest, uh, and had to go back there to uh, visit because, let me show you a picture here. This is, uh, that is Nora Joy. Nora Joy. She is uh, the, the newest grandchild into the family now, so that's, uh, that's number nine right there. Uh, we are taking it seriously to replenish the earth. And um, so uh, that's Nora. She is sweet, and that, that's how she acts most of the time. I mean, she just she's a pleasant kid. Uh, she doesn't really cry a lot. Every once in a while she goes, I'm hungry. Uh, that's about it. You know, um, other than that, she has a lot of diapers to change. But uh, that's Nora. So I wanted you to see her because that's, you know, there are people that are related to me that are very cute. And so, uh, you know, and I, I, I have cuteness by association. So that's about the only way I can get that. So anyway, so we've been in this series, Rethink It. And what we've been trying to do is we've been trying to answer some questions to communicate some areas of some areas that you may find struggles in, some uh, things that you, you may have presently or maybe you did before you've struggled with. And to tell you, you know, when everything kind of seems hopeless and when it seems like, wow, there's not, you know, I, I'm not really sure how to handle this. I'm not really sure what to do. Take a moment, rethink it, try to look at it from the objective viewpoint of someone from the outside looking into your life, then come up with a plan and put it into place yourself. Begin to do it yourself. So that's what we're looking at. Tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to look at, you know, designing your life to make a difference and beginning to kind of look at that. So why, why is that important? Why, why would you even need to design your life to make a difference? And I think it's because of this. If you haven't, um, and many of you haven't, you haven't faced some of uh, the things that go on in the world today, one of the things you find is that um, life can really be hard sometimes. And one of the things that makes it incredibly hard is we live in a world that is really greatly impacted by sin. I mean, over and over in many different situations, you know, a, a mom or a dad, a brother or a sister can make choices that, that devastate a family and just really tears your world apart. You can also have other people that sin against you and they do things in, to you or they do things, you know, that, that impact you or impact those that you love. And you begin to realize, my gosh, life can be hard sometimes. You know... Most of us, though, have come to the point in life where we figured out that the sin that really undoes us 
is not the sin of somebody else. It's the sin within ourselves. And that's the thing that really eats away at our lives a lot of times. So what do you do with that? You know, well, by the grace of God, many of you have not had to face some of those things yet. You've not had to experience some of the destroying impacts of sin on life. You know, consequently, the problem with that, though, sometimes is you can develop kind of a wrong concept. You can develop a concept that says something like this. You know, yeah, 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 that's, that's true. But I, I'm not sure it's real. Now, how that really plays its way out is kind of like two sides of the same coin. On one side, we kind of think, well, now that's true for other people. And if you've ever found yourself saying something like this, like, you know, yeah, that's, boy, that is tragic. I mean, that would never happen in my family. Or that would never happen over here. Then, you know, you're one of those that sees it as true, but not real. The other flip side of that coin is, you know, when we think of true and real, we think of true sometimes like there's facts. There's things that you need to know. Like, you know, uh, um, George Washington, first president of the United States. True. Did that impact you today? Probably not much. You know, you probably didn't wake up this morning and go, you know, George Washington. You know, no, it just didn't, you know, it didn't really impact you. Why? Because it's true, but it didn't do much as a way of impacting your life today. And too often, that's how we think of sin. We look at sin and we think, well, yeah, it's true. But, I mean, that wouldn't really impact my life like that. Oh, contraire, contraire. But, see, some of you, some of you know that because you've experienced it. Some of you have experienced your family being torn apart. Some of you have experienced your world being torn apart. Some of you have experienced people sinning against you. Some of you have experienced sinning in such a way that you look and you think, wow, that can devastate life. That can tear it apart. And you begin to look at that. When those things happen, all of a sudden, you're, you know, the entire world can seem overwhelming. And you begin to look at it. It can seem like everything's out of control and it's kind of helpless and it's kind of hopeless. And a lot of times when that happens, people make some really poor choices. Sometimes people just, you know, find ways to self-medicate. You know, now one of the things we tend to think of, when we think of self-medicating, we think, oh, you know, okay, somebody's off into drinking or they're off into drugs or they're off into something like that. And that's kind of how they self-medicate. And that's true. That's, people do that sometimes. But, you know, there's other ways to do that. You know, you can kind of self-medicate by just, I'm going to be the fun person. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to have fun, 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 fun. In fact, I'm not going to think about anything else. All I'm going to think about is just fun, just fun. I'm just going to run. I'm going to have fun. You know, if, that's why I'm not going to make a decision on anything till the last minute because I am all about fun. No, you're all about immaturity if that's what you're about. But anyway, that's a whole other subject. We'll talk about that another time. But, you know, they're just people are about fun. But, you know, Proverbs, Proverbs 14, 13 says, even in laughter, the heart may be in pain. Even in laughter, the heart can be in pain. So you can... You can look for ways that you think, oh, that's going to solve it. I'll just do it. But you know what? That doesn't solve what's going on inside. It doesn't solve the problem you have. Others, you feel like, you know what? No, my focus is going to be on goals and objectives and grades and resumes and money because, you know what? If I make enough money, 
that will protect me from everything that goes on that's bad. You know, I will just simply have myself, you know, safe. And you really think, you know, if I can get this job in this way and this thing, that does it. Solomon, wisest man that ever lived, tells us something in Proverbs 18.11, though. He says, the wealth of their rich is their fortified city. They imagine it an unscalable wall. See, what they think is my money will keep a distance between me and the problems of sin. But the problem is, it doesn't. Because it's already on the inside. So there's no way to protect them. But some people medicate like that. Some people, some people don't medicate. Some people just mentally snap. Did you know that here in this university, every year, they hospitalize like 100 plus people? Every year. 100 plus people. Because mentally... Somebody just snaps, and they have to take and, and help them in that way. Others, they come to this, and boy, <clears throat> the choice they really find, their, their, their faith gets really rocked. It gets really shipwrecked because they can't figure out a way to reconcile what they see going on and what they believe. And so, man, they're just like, oh, my gosh. Others get so disturbed by this. They get so overwhelmed by it that for them, they, they tend to do harm to themselves. Here again, this university right now, one person a month we lose to some sort of suicide. One person a month. And you begin to look at that and you think, it is into this very world where sin and its impact is not only true, but very, very real, that God calls each of us that know him to move out and make a difference. Now, there's kind of a vague understanding that goes with that a lot of times, and that's one of the things that draws people into movements, that draws people into different uh, social agendas or into different, you know, um, uh, service projects and different things, you know, because they say, we need to make a difference, you know. Give me a sign. I'm going to go pick it. You know, I mean, we're going to make a difference, you know. And all of those thoughts. Now, is there anything wrong? Well, sometimes it depends on what they do. But, I mean, you know, is there something definitively wrong or something definitively right about those? No, not a lot of times. The problem is the, in the, the overall effect of that is kind of like rearranging the chairs on the Titanic. It may be good for a little while, but it's going down. Okay, so I mean, there's people that they're like, oh, you know what, let's do this. You know, this is going to be good. Hey, guess what? In the end, nothing changed. People's lives are still the way they were. And so how do you do that? How do you make a difference? How do you, how do you make a difference that not only matters for eternity, but makes a difference in people's lives right now? And how do you make a difference in people? How do you design your life to make a difference? So what I'd like to do tonight, I'd like to talk to you about four things that you can do that if you begin to insert these into your life, if you begin to actually do these things, then there's the real possibility, there's the real probability that you can actually make a difference in a world that desperately, desperately needs it. 
So the very first thing would be this. It's just the simple word abide, abide. If you're going to make an impact, an impactful life grows out of a life with God. So one of the very first things you need to do is you need to learn to abide in him. So in John 15, Jesus said this, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. See, life and impact both come from the same thing, abiding learning to abide in Christ. Now, let me ask you a question. When, when you think about this, sometimes you read some of these verses, and sometimes we get the wrong impression. How much fruit-producing effort does a branch have to make? I mean, if you guys ever pass by a tree or something like that, and you see those branches, you know. No. No. There's not a lot of effort. In fact, This verse, a lot of times people read it and they think what it says is you work to produce fruit and you prove to be his disciple. And it's like, no, 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 no. It's you work to abide and fruit is a natural byproduct of that for his disciples. What you work at is abiding. You don't work at fruit. You work at abiding. Learning to lean into him, learning to trust him, learning to obey him, learning to get to know him and follow him from the heart. So abiding. Second thing you need to do, love. Love. See, an impactful life is a life that loves others. If you want to really make an impact in people's lives, you need to love them because oftentimes what people need to do is they need to see love for themselves before they're able to really trust that in a God who loves them. And so you need to love them. Now, that means something very different than you think it means a lot of times because a lot of times when I talk to people about loving, they're like, yes, I want to love some people. And I think, no, 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 you definitely don't understand what I'm saying. And they're like, no, I do. I saw her yesterday. I want to love some And you're like, no, no, no. Okay, I know you don't know what I'm talking But, you know, it's this idea, you know, oh, I, I, I want to be with that. No, that's not what he's talking about. Or, you know, I have all these feelings, you know. I want to buy one of those planes that will make things up in the sky and make those little hearts and stuff like that, you know, and it's just, it'll just be, no. There's very practical ways that you love people, and Jesus lived all of these out. So, you know, I'd like to talk to you about four of those real quickly, practical ways that you can actually love other people. You know, one of the very first ones that you can do, Begin to, love, begin to love people by serving them. Meet practical needs. Meet practical needs. Now, a lot of times we look and, and, you know, we kind of get confused about that. But if you think to yourself and you think about it, if I said, hey, tell me some people who really love you. And you think, oh, okay. And you start naming some people off. And I'll say, now tell me about what they do. And what you'll do is you'll start telling me about people that come alongside you. And you'll start telling me about people that meet needs in your life. And you'll start telling me about people that maybe by word or by service or maybe just merely by their presence, a lot of times they have really loved you. 
They've looked for ways to serve you. They've looked for ways to help you. And you really felt loved. Other people do too. We, we need to reserve. In fact, you look at Philippians 2 and it said, when God wanted to show us the heart of what he was like, when he wanted to show us his heart, Jesus came taking on the form of a servant. When he wanted to show us this is the heart of God, he took on the form of a servant. Why? Because God has a servant heart. And that's one of the things he wants us to do. You know, another thing you can do, second thing, forgive. Forgive. Choosing to cancel a debt. Have any of you ever messed up something? Yeah. Like really messed up? Like messed up to where you think, oh, yeah, like I wanted to move, like, you know, not just out of that group. I mean, I wanted to move like out of the state. In fact, you know, many of you, that's why you're here. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, you wanted to get away, you know. I mean, it's one of those Southwest moments. Want to get away? Yes, I do. You know, I mean, you know, if you've ever felt that, then you understand the need for this. If you've ever had that, <clears throat> excuse me, had that feeling of, you know, this is something I'll never recover from. This is not, there's no return from this. Then you understand the very need for this because forgiveness is a key. In fact, forgiveness is the key to enduring relationships. Some of you, many of you think, boy, I'd love to have long-term relationships. I'd love to have relationships with people where we sit back one day and we look back and we can look back at 20, 30, 40 years together and we can just, you know, have this great friendship. And by the grace of God, you know, I, I can do that now. I mean, I look back at guys that I've run with for, you know, 40, 45 years, you know, and they're, they're great guys. I love these guys. In order to do that, you've got to really learn to forgive to cancel the debt of somebody else, to put that aside, to choose to forgive them. So serving, forgiving. Third thing, befriending, befriending. You need to learn to live life together with other people. You know, there are some folks that are desperate for relationships. And you have to look no further than the mirror find one because you know that's true I mean the thing that gives you the greatest joy in your life relationships the things that can cause you the greatest sorrow in your life sometimes relationships but you need relationships and just befriending people and doing life with them you see Jesus modeled that he modeled all of these but he really modeled that now a lot of times we read the scriptures and we kind of read them with this like Oh, mystical look, you know, like, look, what is Jesus doing? He's cooking outside. Yeah, it's called a cookout. Uh, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, I mean, we, we just kind of get all weird sometimes when we read the Bible. You know, it's just like, read the Bible. You start reading the Bible. You know what you see, what Jesus did with the disciples? Like, they went boating. Now, in Peter's case, they also went swimming sometimes. But, I mean, you know, <laughs> they went boating. You know, um, they, they ate together. They're eating together all the time. In fact, to the point where other people go, they're just gluttons, you know. They're just eating together. Uh, they're traveling together. Traveling together, doing around, running around together, having fun. They had cookouts. I mean, Jesus is there frying fish as they're coming in, you know. They're having cookouts. They had picnics. He said, you know, guys, hey, seat the 5,000. You know, let's just do it. You know, everybody bring blankets? Oh, you know. 
no food, no blankets. What the heck? You know, I mean, you know, he's sitting there worried about these guys. I mean, you know, but they had picnics together. Uh, they went to weddings together. They went over to each other's house. You start looking, you think, why did they do those things? They were friends. <laughs> That's what friends do. You know what? You need to really do those things too when you're loving people. Befriend them. Probably one of the biggest, accept them. One of the biggest things you can do with people is accept them. Accept them. Really what I mean by that, you make room for them. You make room for them. Now, immediately, people have all sorts of weird problems. You know, sometimes people are like, I, I, I can't really accept them because, you know, I don't really approve of what they're doing. Acceptance doesn't mean approval. Acceptance means acceptance. You make room for them. And you're like, yeah, but I don't agree with them. Well, they probably don't agree with you either, so it's okay. Accept them. And you're like, well, yeah, but, you know. Now, let me just, let me just bring this to our present day and age. Some of you probably noticed people were protesting out there, and many of you may have thought, it's because Neil's speaking tonight, and these guys are out here, <laughs> and, and they're really upset because, you know, they're, they're afraid he's going to say something that's just off the charts. You know, I mean, it's like, okay. So, you know, they're all, and that, it wasn't about me. I'm just going to let you know that. No, it was actually somebody else. And you know what? One of their biggest reasons people are so upset, because people have the idea that there's two positions. See, either you are over here, and you are this racist, bigoted, horrible person, or you agree with us. Now, both sides feel that way. You know, this is how it is, or this is how it is. The problem is that we don't see is like this. You know the reality? The reality is that, um, one, it's a continuum. It's not two points. As long as you can be convinced it's just one of two points, many times you'll be convinced to line up at the wrong point. Because you'll think, oh, I don't want to line up here. I mean, that sounds horrible. Okay, I'll buy into everything that's said over here. But it's really a continuum. And what you'll find with a lot of people is they come to a point where, you know, either I want you to believe all of this or I want you to believe all of this. And the reality is not so much. The reality is this. When Jesus came... In John 1.14, it says he was full of two things. Do you remember what they were? Grace and truth. Now, he didn't have 50% grace and 50% truth. He was full of grace, 100% grace, full of truth, 100% truth. Now, what that really looks like in a practical way is this, as you find people that disagree with you in the world. You hold on to truth, and you extend a hand of grace. You hold on to truth, and you extend a hand of grace. Now, what one side would want you to believe is this. You hold on to truth, and the heck with them. And it's like, no, no. And the other side would say, no, 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 no. You hold on to love and grace, and you just ignore truth. And it's like... Uh, no. You hold on to truth and you extend a hand of love. You extend a hand of grace. That's what happens when you accept people. You don't have to agree with everything they say. You're not approving of everything. You're simply accepting them. What you'll find is this. Acceptance yields influence. 
You want to have an impact? Acceptance yields influence. How many of you tend to be impacted by people who don't accept you? Yeah, not many. You're kind of going, yeah, you know, and I, I, if they don't accept me, I don't really want them influencing me. But you know what? When people accept you, you know, you're kind of like, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm open to this. So loving people, loving people. Third thing, share. An impactful life, if you want to make an impact, an impactful life, realize that it is God who can change people. Therefore, you share him with others. It's, it's pretty simple. You know, in Romans 10, Paul says this. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, you look at that and you think, okay. And you think, saved save, save from what? What does that mean? Saved from the very thing we're talking about here. Saved from sin. Saved from the penalty of sin in their own life. Same, saved from the power of sin as, as they're growing in him. Saved ultimately from the presence of sin one day as they, as they go to be with him. But they're saved from all of those. Now, the problem with sin is, you know, our, our ending up, you know, saved from the presence of sin, it's a thing that's certain. It's just not a thing that's sudden. It doesn't happen overnight. So you're wrestling with things, and that's why you have to have where you really love people. That's why you have to really forgive people. That's why you really need to lean into that because if you don't, what you find is people can still do some things sometimes that they just shouldn't do. And so you continue to love them. You continue to, you continue to do that. But you look and Paul goes on and he says, but before people can ask the Lord for help, they must believe in him. And before they can believe in him, they must hear about him. And for them to hear about the Lord, someone must tell them. And before someone can go and tell them, that person must be sent. It is written, how beautiful is the person who comes to bring good news. You know, the biggest way to destroy sin's devastating impact in our world today is to introduce people to the one who conquered sin in the first place. See, we tend to have this idea, you know what? We will rise up and change things. If we can get someone with a megaphone leading this and we can get someone over here and we can all gather we can we will rise up and change you know you know ultimately the way you change the world you, you will never find in history read history from now to the beginning of history you will never find in history where history was changed with you know this this movement or this picket or this whatever what you find is this the way you change a world is you've got to change like nations and the way you change nations is you have to change communities and the way you change communities is you have to change individuals and the way you change individuals is you have to introduce them into a relationship with someone who can change them from the inside out so if you ultimately want to change the world share the gospel begin to share with people how they can come into a relationship with a person who can ultimately change their life and can give them the power and the ability to help shape and reshape the lives of people all around them. So share. The fourth thing in the last of those areas, an impactful life is a shared life. You have to share your life. You know, once people come into a relationship with Jesus, 
boy, their past sin is, is, man, it's taken care of. It's been paid in full. Their future, I mean, it is guaranteed. It is, you know, it is set before them. But if they're going to learn to, to really experience, you know, God in their life on an everyday basis, they need someone who will walk with them. They need someone who show them how the gospel applies to their life in every area of life all along the way. We call that discipleship. They need to have someone who comes along, walks with them, and helps them learn. This is how you live life in light of who God is and in light of what he's done. This is how you live life in the world. Paul picks up on that with the Thessalonians, and he says this. Having so fond an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become very dear to us. And so the real trick is this. You get close enough to few enough that you can impact their lives. See, a lot of times we think, you know, Oh, we just need to stand up and speak to everybody. And do it. Well, you know, you can do that, and, and there's places for that. But you can impress people from 30 feet. You impact them up close. If you want to really impact their lives, you get around them, and you let them get around you. You let them see life. You let them see how do you abide? How do, how do you share? How do you share your life? How how do you actually love others? You let them see that up close so they learn how to do it. And they watch you. And some people go, well, yeah, but if they watch me, they'd see me mess up. Oh, good. Let them see you mess up. Let them see you clean it up. That way they'll learn two lessons at the same time. It'll be great. You know, I mean, let them see things in your life. Let them see the reality of that. Now, this all began to hit me. I don't know about you, uh, where many of you are. I know where some of you are. But, you know, for me, um, this began to hit me about my sophomore year. My sophomore year, I was over there. You know, I mean, I kind of grew up, you know, just fat, dumb, and happy before that. And, uh, you know, came to school. And, and when I got to school, I really began to experience some things differently. And I began to learn some different aspects of this. And my sophomore year, it dawned on me, oh, my gosh. If we want to help change the world, then we need to get after it in working with people. And we need to prioritize that. And if we're going to prioritize that, you know, that's going to grow out of a life with God. So I've got to really learn to walk with him and abide in him. And then I've got to really turn around and love other people and share with them and share life with them. And I started realizing this. I thought, wow, okay, i got to do this. And so I began to pray. You know, I think, God, um, it would be really good if uh, you could bring some guys around that I could build into. And starting my junior year, that was thinking about that all over the summer between my sophomore year and my junior year. And I came back, you know, with my eye looking around, who is it? I've got to find him. Who, who is it? And I began to pray, began to look around. And you know what? God brought five guys around. Um, actually, I was the little guy in the group at this point. They were all big guys. They were like Jeremy size and on up, and they were like large lads. Uh, and so, you know, I would, um, I would get around these guys. And we would spend lots of time. I mean, we would just do all the things we talked about together. We'd go over to each other's houses. We would go out to eat. We would stay at home and eat. We would just eat and eat. And we would have fun. And we would go play sports. And we would go do different things. And, and we'd go to 
small group together and we would go to large group together and we would just go on retreats together and we would just do all kinds of things, you know, many of which you probably don't even want to know. But we would, we would do all these things together. And we did that really for two years, my last two years there. And I remember at one point walking out and kind of thinking, now it wasn't that, you know, I didn't know other people. I knew, I knew a lot of other people. I spent time with a lot of other people. I tried to help quite a few other people. But what you find is this. In the economy of God, you love everyone, you help a lot, you train a few. And so what I did was, you know, I tried to really do that with those five guys. And I remember at one point thinking about that when I, when I was graduating, I kind of thought, wow, five. That's, that's not like a lot. That's five. Five? But you know what? Forty years later, all five of those are walking with God and making a difference in the world today. In fact, when I left, those five all began to lead different things themselves. And those five all had fives that they were working with and sixes and some of them more. But, you know, they all had those that they were working with. And you know what? They spent the next couple of years pouring into those guys. And guess what? When they left, those guys poured into other guys. What you'll find is, if you want to make a difference in the world, you can do that. Learn to abide. Learn to love. Learn to share. Learn to share your life. Now, you look at that and you think, okay, Neil, that, that's good, but how do you work that into the natural rhythms of your week? How, how do you work that into, like, life, you know. Let me suggest for you a simple way, and, and if you want more clarification on this, let me encourage you. Find a staff person. Find somebody on ministry team. Chat with them. They will be tickled spitless to help you, and you will just, you know, think, oh, 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 this is great, and you'll, uh, you'll figure this out. But let me, let me give you a simple thing that you could begin to do, and you could begin to just work this into the natural rhythms of your life. And it'll be real simple. You will not forget this. In fact, every time that you come into challenge and you sit there at the beginning and the countdown starts and it gets to where it says four, three, two, one, you'll think, I remember something. That's what I want to talk to you about. Four, three, two, one. Simply this. Next slide. Where are we? There we are. Four, three, two, one. Four hours a week with God. Three hours a week eating with others, two hours a week blessing others, one hour a week praying with others. Now, let me kind of tell you how that could work its way out real practically because you could look at that and go, oh, I don't even know that I would have time. Well, you know, last time I checked, most of you eat. Uh, you know, I've checked. Right now we're at 99%, but I mean, I think there's a good chance we're going to get to 100. Most of you eat. And, you know, things like time with God, like you think four hours a week with God. I'm not talking about all at once, okay? I mean, that might look something like this. It might look like 30 minutes a day. And then one day you decide, I'm going all out today. I'm going to spend like a whole hour. And it doesn't even have to all be at one time, okay? I know some of you think you meet with God and that's it for the day. All right, I'll see you tomorrow. Uh, you could actually, you know... You can meet with God for like 30 minutes. You could come back like later in the afternoon. You might spend 15 minutes. 
what? Open the Bible twice. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the binding will not fall off. It will not explode. You know, and then you could even come back and maybe spend 15 more minutes. And you're like, get out three times. I know. I know. Go figure. I'm wild crazy. Uh, but what you find is this. It's in this that you learn to abide. So you begin to spend 30 minutes, six days a week, and you spend one hour just getting to know Jesus, getting to know him, getting to know who he is, what he's like, what he's talking about with the good news of the gospel. So four hours. It will be the best four hours in your week that you'll ever have. Four hours. And then three hours. Three hours a week just eating. And you're looking, you're thinking, well, I end the three hours a week of eating. Yeah, all right, just it didn't even have to be three hours, okay? It could be three meals. So maybe you're a fast eater. You know, you're maybe you're a 15-minute eater. Okay, three, you're 45 minutes. You're great, okay? Three meals a week, you're going to eat most likely, most of you, you know, somewhere between 15, 21 meals a week. Some of you, 30, 40. But, you know, um, you're going to eat, you know, quite a few meals a week, three of them, spending with somebody else. One person within the ministry, one person outside of the ministry, one person, your call, whoever you want. But just begin to get to know them. It's where here that you practice sharing life together. One of the very things we talked about a minute ago. You practice doing life together. Just three meals, three meals a week. Two hours. Two hours a week learning to bless others. Now, this is where you begin put into practice what we talked about with loving others. So some of that, you know, maybe some of that's going to be acts of kindness. Maybe some of that's going to be looking for ways to serve somebody. Maybe some of that's going to be providing something for someone that they really need. Some of it may just be words of affirmation. But you begin to spend two hours a week. That's what you're about. You're looking to serve. You're looking to bless. You're looking to love other people. And then one, one hour a week praying. This is where you remember that it's God who changes lives, not us. And so you go before him and you pray and you ask him to move in your heart in areas and you ask him to move in the heart of people that you love and that you're reaching out to and you ask him to move into the hearts of people that you're trying to help and you're trying to gather around and you're trying to build into and you ask him to work in the lives of the people that are building into you and you begin to spend some time, maybe it's with one person. Now, some of you look at it and you're like, one hour? I mean, I usually try to fit that in in, a, in like, you know, a month. I know. But, you know, one hour a week, it won't trip you. I mean, you could break that into like segments with other people, Okay. If you prayed for like 10 minutes, six times with someone, you've got an hour. Some of you are like, oh, my gosh. I could pray with 12 people for five minutes. Yeah, yeah. You could pray with 60 people for one minute, okay? It doesn't matter. I don't care how you break it up. But if you'll just begin to weave this into your life, you know what? What you'll find is this. You begin to design your life make a difference. See, it's not that a lot of people don't desire that their life would make a difference. They do. They really desire their life would make a difference. The problem is they've never designed their life 
can make a difference. Begin Now, I'm not expecting you to like come back next week and go, got it down, <clears throat> four, three, two, one. You know, I was, I was talking with one friend uh, a week two back, and he told me, he said, for me right now, it's more like four, three, two, zero. And I said, okay, you know, but he's working on that. He's getting that where it's, you know, four, three, two, one half, you know. You know, that's fine. Maybe for you, it's going to start off, you know, it's going to be three, you know, uh, 2.1, uh, you know, 37 seconds, uh, you know, and, you know, I don't, I don't really care. See, I'm not looking for you to weave this into your life this week. I'm looking for you to weave this into your life the rest of your life. Because if you do, then your life can really make a difference. What if everybody in this room began to do that? Do you think that people around you would actually be impacted by that? I mean, people that were actually like, why are you doing things for me? Just want to, uh, just want to love people. Just want to bless people. But why? You know, you know, do you think it would begin to raise questions? Do you think people would begin to actually, when they saw that you really cared about them, not that you were doing it like a project or an object. No, you're doing it because that's who you are. You are someone who God has left here to make a difference. And you're someone who has the answers that this world desperately, desperately needs. And you're someone who can come alongside others and really show them life doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to be racked by guilt. You don't have to be racked by bitterness and unforgiveness. Life doesn't have to be that way. And you can actually step in and make a difference. You can design your life to make a difference. My question for you would simply be this. Why don't you go out the door, come back in, and do it yourself? Because if you do, the world will greatly appreciate it. It will make it different. Let me take a minute. Let me pray for us, and then we'll invite the team back up. Father, thank you that you give us the opportunity and the privilege to be able to make a difference in the lives of others. And we don't really understand fully um, why you would choose to do that with us. Honestly, God, I would have found a much better plan, I think, because it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But you, in your wisdom, chose to use us, and we're very grateful for that. And we really pray that you would... Uh, Help us to begin to build this in to the very fiber of our life that we would live life in such a way that we really make a difference with those around us. We pray those things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.